Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Are we ready to sound the alarm? Yeah, I'm ready. No. <laughs> Tonight, we got them. Goldie and the Salt. And it starts right now. Sound the oh. alarm. Sound the alarm. We're going to sound, sound the, the alarm. alarm. Do not forget to set the alarm. <laughs> Isn't the alarm itself the alert? And why do we need a warning we're going to sound the alarm? We need to get yeah. to the bottom of this. We're Stu. Yeah, come on. Um, welcome back to another episode. We're going to alert you about the alert. This now you've now you've activated me. Display oh, sorry. first joke of the day. First joke of the day. Oh, we have Dan- Danny say that. Repeat it. First joke of the day. First joke of the day. There right. he is live. We're going to talk to Danny Smith in a little bit. He's joining us for Johnny jokes and top five and I wrote stories galories. Oh, you wrote a song. I wrote a song. Yeah. Yeah. I'm about to play the song. Sound me alarm. <laughs> it's a warning. About the, the warning, warning. About, about the alarm. I'm going to sing the song. Just sing it. You're already singing it. Uh, anyway, you know what podcast this is, and you know that we don't like writing, so we don't have to say that again. I want to bring up a number here to start, start the show, sure. a number that means something to Dad's three number? of us. Oh. The number is 1983. Oh. And you might think, what terms of endearment? Uh, every breath you take? No. I'm talking about $19.83, which was the amount of money this podcast generated for each of us. And is that monthly or quarterly? I don't even, uh, I think it might be monthly. I thought it was Uh, quarterly, but I I don't even know anymore. I don't Whatever it is. Why run ads to make that? I know. I know. know. We we may have to start a go fuck yourself (laughs) to make some more money. Uh, Anyway, I thought that was a hilarious email. It was like, here's Art19 via Amazon. What's Jeff Bezos got for us? $19.83. Oh, well, time for almost... I never dreamed I'd be able to support myself on podcasting, and I was right. You were right. (laughs) (laughs) Time to work hard for that almost 20 Twenty dollars, which may be quarterly. Um, Goldie, uh, something else. Your rant about oh. weddings and and marriage last week was so funny. It was, and in fact, tall. 
told me at dinner last night that she was listening to it in the car and she had to pull over. She was laughing so hard. <laughs> it was just so funny, this idea that, you know, people who barely know each other, as you say, who have been to 30 dinners together, yeah. all of a sudden are going to teach everyone <laughs> in the room, mostly married people, about marriage and what love is and never go to bed angry. And here's the poet, <laughs> Rumi. Yeah, it, it's it's infuriating. So you had a great suggestion of... There should be a gauntlet of married people saying, like, this is what you're in for. Yes. And and tell them some, you know, picking up diarrhea was your story last week. Yeah, not you your touched, diarrhea. Not your diarrhea. <laughs> others, yeah. other, the diarrhea yes. of Have others. Have you touched someone else's diarrhea? <laughs> <laughs> the diarrhea of Anne Frank. Um, <laughs> but I think that has nothing to do with anything. But I had a, a further thought, which is we all know how these weddings work. You celebrate and then you send them off for a two-week vacation in the islands, Europe, to further this fantasy. Right. This is what their life is, right? Yes. It's like, here's even more fantasy world. Rumi would love the Maldives. And oh, oh yeah, he had the best. Like, like uh, I mean, I don't want to steal your thunder here, but <laughs> go ahead. It's, it's pretty e- I could be in love with anyone in Fiji. It wouldn't <laughs> male... Female, yes. non-binary. It wouldn't matter. You send me to Fiji for two yeah. weeks with anyone, and everyone's bringing us our meals. Yes. And it's like I'm in love. It doesn't right. matter. It could be the Hound from right. Game of Thrones, and you would be in love with Clegane. Sure. Yeah. Well, so I had a thought that along the lines of your, you know, reverse the process idea. Here's what it should be. Okay. They don't get the honeymoon. They select. A married couple with kids, and and they the married couple gets the honeymoon, and the the new married couple has to take their kids for the two weeks and just uh-huh. thrown into the deep end of the pool. You have to take them to school, you have to take them to gymnastics, to whatever the fuck music lessons they have, and while the the ten years married couple gets to go to Bora Bora and Ooh. and enjoy life. That would be a great initial test of marriage. I mean I hesitate to do that to anyone <laughs> I know but, but, but wouldn't anyone wouldn't. but it's interesting you should bring that up because so since COVID my wife and I have not been out alone together <laughs> and this week for the first time we were going out alone together we are going to a concert <clears throat> but the concert is in San Diego oh. so the amount of planning it has taken to get someone to watch my kids for one night and my dog for one night and then get them to their two schools yeah. and the emotional and financial cost of this <laughs> emotional is it worth the, it, the, honestly it was harder than planning the wedding is this <laughs> one night Wait, what's the concert willie nelson oh, oh yes that's wow. right okay awesome. that's legit yeah. that's legit are you gonna put on a green jacket mm. I don't know, man. I got to wake up at five the next day to drive back okay. so I can be on a Zoom. So that's probably that's our not. Co- that's our code for getting stoned. Putting on yeah, a <laughs> putting, putting on so. a master's blazer. No, I think just I think uh, not having to do the regular family stuff will be enough of a high that I won't yes. need any narcotics. <laughs> Natural I'll just be, high. Not like, even I edible. Feel, I feel forty years old. <laughs> <laughs> Only. Slightly rickety. Uh, that is funny. Now, Goldie, uh, I know you forwarded me an article or, or actually a link to an, an Instagram page that I, I thought was hilarious. Tell, tell me what, tell them what you sent me. Well, 
<laughs> so, you know, I read the New York Post to do our Johnny jokes because they yes. they do stories that shouldn't be stories. <laughs> and, yeah. And they're mean. Right. Yeah. And they, they, they print things that the, the whole point is just to inflame everyone and put celebrities on the spot. So I, I love it. You know, it's it's Rupert Naturally. Murdoch's piece de resistance. So one of the stories was about James Corden being such a dick in the restaurant Balthazar, yes. which is somewhere when I lived in New York, I could never even it's... be on the same block as Balthazar. It's yeah, too it was cool. an aspirational location. For... Sure. So he was yeah. such a dick that he got banned from Balthazar. And then in the words of the article, he went groveling to the owner and begged his way back and led his way back in. So, the, But fortunately, I was able to find the original Instagram post mentioned the article from the owner. It begins, James Corden is a hugely gifted comedian, but a tiny cretin of a man <laughs> and the most abusive customer to my Balthazar server since the restaurant opened 25 years ago. So that's, mm-hmm. that's a lot. So unless this is pro wrestling and they're both <laughs> just performing this Right. To boost, like maybe Balthazar needs to be in the news, and maybe he somehow feels like I want to be a bit of a badass. <laughs> yeah. People think I'm too nice, you know. I, that I, I kind of I buy. So managers report number Street. one that James Corden was there basically, and some, some there was some screw up a hair in the food, and then he James Corden yelled, "Get us another round of drinks this second. Also, take care of all our drinks so far. This way, I write any nasty reviews in Yelp or anything like that. I think it's." <laughs> This way, I won't write any nasty yes. reviews. Um, and then the second one was that he then returned for brunch with his wife, uh, ordered an egg yolk omelet for his wife with Gruyere cheese and salad. And then there was a little bit of egg white mixed in with yolk. They informed the manager. They remade the dish, but this time they sent it out with home fries, not salad. That's when Corden began yelling like crazy to the server, you can't do your job, you can't do your job. So a couple things. It's really Look, weird. When you go out, shit's going to go wrong. So just, you know, if you've never worked one of those jobs, then at least imagine you have. Right. Yes. And yeah. just roll with it, especially yours. But the larger point I want to make, and I don't know James Corden, and I, I don't particularly care. I don't have a horse in the race. I don't want right. him to look bad, but nor do I want to boost him up. But <laughs> That's an important Any point. celebrity... <laughs> whose brand is being nice, you can almost guarantee they're terrible people. Yes. And the celebrities that you think are kind of like, oh, they're mean or whatever, here's what, here's what the deal is. They don't have a publicist because they don't care, because they're not insecure, because they're nice. Whereas yes. like this corn thing, of course, Ellen. Famously. If they're so vested in showing you like, look – Look at me driving with Paul McCartney, and we're both getting joy out of it. And we're spreading the joy to everyone. Look at me at the center of it, giving to everyone. Then the truth comes out, because there was a, a Reddit AMA, Ask Me Anything with James Corden, and you can Google this. And within five questions, they had to shut it down because everyone was saying, I saw you in this place and you were screaming. I saw you. And you can't get wow. away with that anymore yeah. Yeah. because because of social media. everywhere. So I'm staring at a picture of him looking at this Instagram post with a big smile on, on, on his face. And I, yeah. I just want to say, you know, be a little suspicious when you hear about how nice someone is because the, the celebrities <laughs> I know who, who do the most, they don't draw attention to it. They just do it. 
Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, true. This, this nice. all feels very us serving, too. It's like, and the people that you hear are dicks. Maybe they're nice. Who knows? <laughs> well, no one hears anything. We're no one. <laughs> we don't matter. We, we yeah, made $19.83 in podcasting. I just, I just, I just, I love how you made uh, Corden like a, a 19th century chimney sweep. You're like, oh, oh I might. I, I don't oh, have I, nuance. I don't have a variety of British accents to bring. This. I'm just <laughs> doing the one. Oh well, that I think that's that's very uh, sound advice. When you hear a lot about a celebrity being yeah. the nicest guy, they've hired a publicist to let everyone know they're nice because they're covering. Yeah. They're scrambling, <laughs> and it it because they lost quite... their shit over a Gruyere omelet that had a fleck of yolk. <laughs> no white. <laughs> white. That's the no, 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 the white. Omelet. No, it was an egg yolk omelet, right, which is also f- weird. We oh, gotta that's get into that. Horrible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like a well, f- she shouldn't be eating an egg yolk omelet <laughs> with agree. Gruyere cheese, and then you get the salad, and not that like you're trying to make it up on the back nine with a salad and not having hash browns going with, with your arteries. Like so that makes weird. no sense. Yeah. My wife can only tolerate the yolk. <laughs> Tolerate. <laughs> There's a little bit of white in here. I know. Oh my First god. All, that how makes can it you worse. Tell? You're right. How can you tell in an omelet if yeah. there's a little bit of I, whatever? It seems weird. Totally. Um, but that was a very funny story. Yeah. Well, you know, we are incredibly excited today because we have a, a great guest, someone we all love. And I don't use that word often with our <laughs> guests or people we have on here. But Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's home equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. A new year is a new chance to focus on you. You're probably already picturing yourself struggling at the gym, but not all self-help has to mean suffering. Squeeze.com is making it easier than ever to elevate your wellness by delivering a juice cleanse right to your doorstep. It's the easiest juice cleanse you'll ever do that may aid in weight loss, eliminating bloating, clearing your skin, boosting your energy levels, improving sleep, and breaking bad eating habits. Meet all your health goals from the comfort of your home. Get free same-day local delivery or fast free delivery nationwide with code WONDERY today at Uh, squeezed.com. Danny Smith is going to be with us, and he's going to join us for Johnny Jokes in a minute, but... He, to me, is like a member of my family. Like, every time I walk into the writer's room and I see Danny sitting there, I feel like we just smile at each other. Like, oh, <laughs> here we're cousins at an event and we're going to talk shit together all day. That's so I'm very excited to do that with him. After a portion of the show I am not at all excited about, a portion of the show we call Johnny Jokes. Whoa! What's this live from Hollywood? <laughs> The nicest guy in show business, Johnny! 
Oh, uh, yes. And so uh, we talked to Danny. Welcome. Welcome, hi, welcome. Thank, welcome. Thanks, Holly. Oh, thanks, everyone. Uh, and thanks, I know you're, I know you're thanks, nervous. Jesus. You shouldn't be because oh, you're I, a very yes, funny yes. man. <laughs> I, know, I know it's your Irish upbringing, which we're going to talk oh, about later. without a doubt. Without a doubt. Yes. <laughs> so, I've, I've been up all night tapping my knee up and down like Riggins in Friday Night Lights. <laughs> yeah, I'm, just, I, I'm, a, I'm just a wreck about this. But yes, I'm you, very excited. You, you're already hilarious. <laughs> so um, it, we, we uh, determined before this podcast podcast that mm-hmm. Danny you today are going to be our first Johnny so yep. please yep. go yep. ahead and yep. lead us off all right I'm gonna plow right through this guys please so. do cool. here we go okay <laughs> uh, uh, a Buddhist monk who recently emigrated from Hungary was removed from a city bus today after several complaints from riders that he was loudly and incessantly chanting while on board to the great relief of all passengers law enforcement officials boarded the bus and brought the Hungarian monk to the police station where he was formally charged with being a Buddha pest <laughs> excellent Buddha start excellent all right. Budapest <laughs> a new variant of the coronavirus has been detected in the northeast and this time it appears to be spread by the very same deer ticks that are known to spread Lyme disease uh oh yeah and as a result many New Englanders may very well be celebrating the fall season with a case of corona and Lyme <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Celebratory drink in that part of the country. (laughs) Retired downhill Olympic skier Peekaboo Street has donated a portion of her life's earnings to fund a new intensive care unit in a hospital near the slopes of her old training facility in Colorado. And thanks to her generosity, injured Rocky Mountain skiers will now enjoy top-notch care and state-of-the-art medical treatment at the recently opened Peekaboo ICU. Wow, that's fantastic. It's the energy of someone coming to this fresh. I know, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. I've been coiled like a spring all night. Uh, All right. What else is in the news? Okay. The recent extreme drought has revealed ancient dinosaur tracks in the dried-up bed of the Paluxy River in Glen Rose, Texas. Scientists say that footprints left by a carnivorous Acrocanthosaurus from the early Cretaceous period provide absolute proof that the great state of Texas has historically been home to ancient dinosaurs. Yeah, and... That's not even counting the ones who are currently serving in Congress. <laughs> Got them. That's, that's a Joe Did Swanson joke. A joke. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Pro is the opposite of. <laughs> Colombian pop singer Shakira is facing prosecution for charges of tax fraud. A judge in Spain says if found guilty, the sultry songstress could face up to eight years in prison. Yeah. And. Already in Barcelona, the local correction facility has been besieged with hundreds of men and women of all ages, each of whom are volunteering to hopefully help out with the cavity search. <laughs> Very attractive young lady. hey And finally, finally, yeah. JC, uh, finally, this one's for you, Alec. <clears throat> and finally... 
In an effort to raise money for the ASPCA, actor Stanley Tucci, Latina musician Charo, and legendary soap opera queen Susan Lucci have started a new company just south of Atlanta, Georgia, that will produce an exclusive luxury line of clothing for small pampered dogs, as imagined by the legendary design house Gucci. Once launched, enthusiastic pet owners will soon be headed for the stores in hot pursuit of items from this exciting new venture entitled Tucci Lucci Coochie Coochie Gucci garments for your smoochy poochie of Chattahoochee. Oh <laughs> Unbelievable. Wow. Oh, that was so great. When I heard oh, when I heard Tucci and Lucci, it was like it, it was like an astronomer witnessing an event where all the planets were getting ready to line up. Yeah, I was like, oh, if you were doing that the, what that brilliant mind thing, you could see. He's on the math on the mirror. Oh, that Danny, those were excellent. Excellent. Epic. Oh, fantastic. Well done. <laughs> Time you know to what? Follow. We're, we're gonna we're gonna play Riggins today. Smash is gonna start on the bench. <laughs> I know. Absolutely. Give me the ball. Here we go. And here come the corpses of the two hosts. Here we go. Uh, Dallas Cowboy owner Jerry Jones had his 80th birthday last week. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, the billionaire spent the day celebrating with his friends, family, and six-year-old face. Oh. <laughs> uh, moving on quickly. Uh, I like that. Uh, a recent study showed that an elementary school in St. Louis has radiation 22 times higher than acceptable levels. Yeah, the uh, superintendent attempted to put a positive spin on the situation, stating that it was an otherwise glowing review. <laughs> radiation glows. Here we go. Now we're going to close with two horrible puns about the same thing. Here we go. Uh, a professor at NYU has been fired for exchanging inappropriate texts with an underage student. Oh, boy. Yeah, uh, apparently he sent her pictures of his adjunct. Oh, God. And $19.82. <laughs> <laughs> They're taking money away. And here's the story that's on everyone's mind. The sexual assault case against Kevin Spacey continued last week with the Oscar-winning actor proclaiming his innocence. Uh, legal experts feel he didn't help himself when he attempted to grope multiple subpoenas. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Moving on rapidly oh, to boy. third Johnny. And okay. now... <laughs> okay, here we go. Well, this is huge. Research scientists believe they're finally closing in on a vaccine for cancer. Ooh. Yeah. And uh, if successful, the scientists could spend the rest of their lives being spit on by people in MAGA hats. <laughs> <laughs> Nice for them. <laughs> a new survey says for the first time in history, the majority of men don't want to be fathers. But don't worry. Experts say the shortfall should be easily made up by Nick Cannon. <laughs> <laughs> it might have already been. <laughs> by Nick's Cannon. <laughs> in a new bombshell interview, Ghislaine Maxwell calls Jeffrey Epstein's death extremely suspicious pointing out that when he was found hanging in his cell, there were no teenage girls. <laughs> These are awful. <laughs> and I knew Danny, it. Danny Danny's got better his... and better. These grew worse and worse. And finally, thank God. Uh, yesterday, <clears throat> controversial representative Marjorie Taylor Greene 
said she was also a victim of January 6th as much as any member of Congress. I, too, experienced slow train service during the Holocaust, (laughs) says Nazi. (laughs) 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 Always end on a Nazi. That was the worst I've ever done. No. No. Well, come on. Danny set us up unfairly. His were so good. All right, speaking speaking (laughs) of which. All right, so you just heard him. You just heard him deliver Johnny jokes incredibly well, just dunked on us in our home court. Um, But I want to give a proper introduction to our guest today. So we refer to him at Family Guy as the heart and soul of Family Guy. And I think uh, as much as that sounds like we're making fun of him, we're not, because it's actually true. (laughs) Danny Smith has been at Family Guy for over 20 years, I think almost the whole time. He'll tell us all about that. Um, He's hilarious. He's just a joy to to work with in the same room. I have shared as many laughs with this man as, as probably anyone in my life. So I, we are honored to have him here today. He has written so many iconic Family Guy episodes. We'll talk more about that. He voices many iconic characters, especially uh, the wacky, waving, inflatable, arm-flailing tube man, which he'll do at the drop of a hat, and maybe we'll have him do that later. But please welcome to our podcast... Mr. Danny Smith, thank you so much oh, for being here thank today, you. Danny. Thank you so much. It's it's so great to be here, seriously, <laughs> honestly. Are- and Alec, uh, I appreciate that. And uh, everyone in, uh, who's ever worked on the show knows that uh, I have stories about a lot of cousins. And I'm, I'm so proud to think of you as another one of my cousins. <laughs> Absolutely. And of course, Goldie as well, but I've known you so much longer. You know? That's and- true. And I do remember the first day meeting you thinking, absolutely, I had met a kindred spirit and that oh, we were going we to get along just fine. Totally. Uh, yeah. Well, and, it's, it's interesting yeah. because I want to I talk you know, about you, because you're the only writer on staff in the history of the show who actually grew up in, in, in Rhode Island. Absolutely. Um, yes. And I want to get to that in a minute, but, yeah. but something yeah. you just said. So when we met, uh, you know, we we made each other laugh, as as did many people in that room, because it's filled with with funny yes. people. Yes. But talk about. So here we are now. I've been there over eighteen years. Right. So that's crazy, and you've been there far longer than I have. It's absolutely crazy. How yeah. has because in my mind, when we when you started there, and certainly when I started there, the room was funny but yeah. cutthroat. Der- just cut soul throat. soul destroying. Yes. So, yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay, and and but now it is yeah. completely different, and I yes, feel like yes. that's a testament to the fact that we've all worked together for so long. We all know each other so well, and mm-hmm. now things that seemed mean, you know, fifteen <laughs> yeah. years ago, now yeah. are just like, oh, that's Tom. Yeah. Oh, there's our Tom, and he's just doing yeah. his thing. And of course, I'm yeah. singling out Tom because yeah. he's the yeah. biggest yeah. perpetrator. He's the Mengele yeah. of that yeah. room. Uh, but yeah. talk there about he is. In, yeah. there he is. Yeah. Talk yeah. about yeah. in your yeah. mind yeah. Uh, what how the show has changed over the years. Well, I think. A pro- by the way, in the case of Tom, it it doesn't. I I'm still tremendously wounded by everything he says and does. <laughs> I, 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 I suffer constantly. I, I vomit on the way into work because I'm afraid to be in the room with him. Uh, but I do think. Uh, I think in a room in general, um, if you have the right bunch of guys um, who are working together uh, to, to to make the show, it's 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 never better. But I think comedy writers, we're all smart asses. We're all 
not bullies, but we're all those class clowns who were, you know, I, I always, I, I told my children, I said, I'm, I'm very blessed to make a living doing what I used to get in trouble in high school for doing, yes. which was, you know, sitting in a room with a bunch of idiots and trying to make each other laugh. And right. as was the case with my friends and, and with the writers on Family Guy, uh, you know, you've heard stories about cousins and I'm blessed to have a lot of older cousins. And one of them made the observation in a bar recently, like all of our stories are about how one of us fucked up. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> it's like every good story is like, oh, and then Leroy did this and that. And, right. and it's like our staff is like that because everybody looks for that little weak point in each other. And yeah. I, I made the mistake of my, my wife bought me, God bless her, she, she bought me a hat. And, I, oh and in the years that you guys knew me, I never wore a hat. And she's, she, God bless her, she was like, wear this hat. You, you look so cool. And if a woman says, man, you look great in that, great. I go, well, maybe I do. I don't have any self-esteem. Yeah. So it's like, I'm, I'm going to wear, if my wife says I look good, by golly, I'm going to wear this hat. And I walked into that room and Wellesley immediately goes, no, 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 no. You are not going to suddenly transform into a hat wearing guy. And you would think that wearing a hat was an eye poke to every one of you. It went. It unleashed this fury of just ridicule, yes. and 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 I took that fucking hat off, and I sadly oh. never wore it again. Like that old it, Harry Chapin song about the guy who never sang because he got a bad review. Yes. <laughs> it up. But, I just always felt like it used to be a Western saloon. Like at any moment, you just have to. <laughs> yeah, be the ready piano to, player stopped. Like yeah. you just have to. Like with Tom, it's like there's a bear, and you just have to appear suddenly appear as big as possible and outrun the other person and let him and he'll yeah. go for the other target that's yes, closer. yes yeah as long as you outrun one guy you're okay yeah. so yeah. i always well, felt that the, the response to that was just to fire back as hard as you could immediately yeah yeah, yeah. and hope that uh, yeah. creates a flashbang yeah. effect and everyone's kind of yeah. startled and rattled and then you then you run out Danny's yeah. too nice for that, though. Danny does not do the big fire. And so, Danny, it's funny when you when you bring up the hat because we've yeah. had a few yeah. hat stories in the room. Yes. Viner oh, yes. wore the yes. Viner Johnny, wore the train Johnny. conductor's hat. Yeah. Got yes. no end of shit for that, which I think was justified. Yeah. Yes. But we also yes. we had a writer who Seth wanted to oh. hire who was waiting yeah. out. Yes, in the foyer, and we yeah. walked. Everybody walked past him, and his hat was slightly askew. Oh, and that yes. was all the talk in the room. Like we yeah, cannot yeah. hire this guy. No, he was dead hat. in the water. He was he dead was. in the water because <laughs> his hat was slightly askew. <laughs> Yes, yeah. but but Sorry. also you, when you bring that up, it it yeah. calls to mind you walking in the room with that hat, and you have Wellesley and Tom and, and yeah. whoever else was there waiting for you. Yeah. It was like the scene when the doors go down on the D-Day landing boats, <laughs> yeah. and, and like the first six oh. layers of people oh, took, just get bullets took, through the forehead. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you guys and everyone ran right up my back onto the beach. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. just bobbing in that water with blood oh. everywhere. And, but I, but and, I do. Uh, Think and it's funny yeah. because those and again I, I will never tire of stories about people being mean in that room. We have no end of them. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I do think that it's gotten much nicer oh. uh, these days. Yes. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that we all, even though we like to gripe about everything, I think deep down and sometimes now on the surface, we all realize how incredibly lucky we are to be on a show that's been on the air for over twenty oh, years and how I that agree. never happens. I agree. Yeah, and as yeah. we watch our peers kind of shuffle from thing to thing, oh, we're like, "Oh god, my god, yes. thank god we're yeah. we're holding on to this Titanic door." Yes. 
Because yeah. I do, I do think Alec. A lot of it comes from because you, you know me. I sidetrack and never get to my point. My my point was early on, as we all know, in our in our line of work, there's a tremendous amount. We all harbor so much anxiety and yes. and and so much desperation. And in Family Guy, in the early days, we really thought there were only going to be fifteen of them or whatever the original order was. And and as in our job, which is just a soul crushing thing to get, you get an order of thirteen, and you work on those thirteen in the hopes that halfway through the year you get what they call the back nine and if the back nine is picked up now you got 22 now i don't have to look for work till march when we surely will get canceled again and so there's an there's a desperation and an anxiety uh that 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 fuels a lot of us and it all comes out in the work and it all unfortunately comes out of whoever's closest to you and you're in the room with these people so we just fucking play out our shit on each other it's a it's a perfect recreation of the dinner table when I'm one of six children. And all we did at night was just scramble over each other for attention and we would shit on each other and look, you know what he did today? If if someone else was in trouble, then you were skating for that dinner, man. You could eat. And you know, my brother would touch it, you know. Well it's funny, I have this question written down for you and I think you pretty much just answered it. But like so you 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 grew up in a large Irish family in Rhode Island. Yes. Yes. And and now you kind of just described the dinner table dynamic, which was sort of a sort of a version of Saturday Night Fever, but the Irish version. Yes, very much <laughs> so. So, like, yeah. so how, how did that... Uh, were there other people in your family who were smart asses who were very funny? Oh, and, oh, and I mean, yeah. how, did, how did that inform your comedy? Everyone in my family is, is very, very funny. Some of us were a little more obvious about it. My dad was a very quietly, very, very funny man. And, and a, just a, a titan to me, a hero. He would come home uh, from work every day with a story about something he observed. But he'd come up under it, you know. And my, yeah. mom, was, my mom thought she was funny, which is very <laughs> different than being funny. So my mom was like, wow, let me just about all this shit and she'd had all these things she'd, say, well, and she'd make observations that were wrong but as if she was making a great observation right. and, she, and, and around the house would make up annoying songs which is ironically what I do now and, <laughs> and, and I told my wife recently I said you know it's funny I like to think when, I, when, I, when you get old enough to start sorting it all out I kind of like to think that I got my dad's content with my mom's delivery. Because I I'm was very, just thinking that yeah, when I'm you said straight, that. You know, like, I, I, thank God I have his content because I would just be the most annoying guy in the room, which I am <laughs> most of the time anyway. But I, but I deliver, and that's why I'm still here. Uh, yes. But, you know, all of my siblings were funny. My, 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 brother, my oldest brother, Harold, was very funny. But the funniest guy in my family, certainly funnier than me, honestly, is my brother, Steve. And he... When I was a child, he could make me laugh so hard that I literally threw up. Like I would, th- he would make me laugh. And he also, all of my siblings uh, would support. It. When I look back over my foundation, if you will, my brother and yes. Steve and I loved Jerry Lewis. And if yeah. he was in a band and he'd come in at midnight and turn on Channel 5 and there'd be a Jerry Lewis movie at two in the morning. And I had school the next day. I was a child, but he'd get me up and go, get up. It's Jumpin' Jacks and Dean and Jerry in the army. And we would watch Jumpin' Jacks till four in the morning. And I know every line of dialogue. And, and my brother Harold, God bless him, I'd be doing my homework. And after school, there'd be Bewitched, all the reruns of shows that were on in the 60s. Yeah. And my, uh, 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 Brian Scully loves his story. I'd be doing my homework and I'd hear my brother Harold go, Danny! You better get down here. It's an Uncle Arthur. And that means Paul Lind was guest starring on Bewitched. And I'd come flying down those stairs like it was Christmas morning, you know? And uh, so, yeah, it was a very, very loud house. Uh, The reason it wasn't like uh, Saturday Night Fever is 
Uh, Saturday Night Fever, he was proud of his job and his hair. In our house, no one was proud of anything. And we, were just, we were just always like angry, chip on his shoulder, right. complaining about the world and right. complaining about the nuns and all this shit. And, and, but it was always funny. And uh, that, that's what I remember. And I love every one of them, honestly. Well, it's funny because you bring up your brother, uh, Steve. And, yeah. and Steve... Yeah has been the front man of a band, yes. Steve Smith and the Nakeds, for many yes. years. And you have yes. a cousin. Your cousin is John yes. Cafferty, yes. lead singer of John Cafferty in the Beaver Correct. Brown Band. Correct. So you have this musical family, and you yourself yeah. are very musical. So talk be, about yeah. a little bit how, how you're able to bring your music to Family Guy. Like what, Talk oh. about that, because we've had some fun times in rooms doing Absolutely. that Absolutely. Well... Well, um, yeah, my brother, uh, my brother Steve, and my cousin John. When I was a little boy, they had a band in the in the basement called the Nightcrawlers because you know the Beatles had been on Ed Sullivan, and yeah. that was what they were going to do for when they grew up. And yeah, and so they always had they their own it. bands, and uh, and 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 the, the the best nights in my in my college years were there, there's a street in Pawtucket called Benefit Street, and there was a club called The Edge on one side of the street, and January's on the other, and the same guy owned both places, right. and the best nights of my my youth were like, John would be playing at The Edge, and do, my brother Steve would be playing at January's, one cover charge, we'd be running back and forth all night <laughs> to both awesome. bands and stuff like That's that. That's awesome. So, so my, because of my brother, and you know, my brothers went to Woodstock, uh, so as a child, every Beatles album came into my house. Uh, my brother Harold went to see Sly and the Family Stone, and he saw Led yeah. Zeppelin in 1970. Like, so all awesome. of that music was playing. I was very lucky to have older siblings. But my dad was also a very, very big fan of musicals. And he loved, uh, you know, it was, it was amazing because he was a foundry man, but he loved... He loved the Andrews sisters, and he loved, uh, you know, uh, South Pacific was his favorite because he was a World War II guy. Right. Uh, and so those, and Sound of Music was something that, you know, we, my grandmother would take me every Saturday for a stretch when I was about five or six, we'd see Sound of Music. So I came up with all this, just like this smorgasbord of all get kinds of music. And then uh, something I don't know if I've ever shared with you, in my high school, there was this awesome music teacher called Mr. Cleesby who, when the high school was new, he went to the first day of school, he went to football practice and detention. And he dared all the football players and all the Fonzie-like delinquents <laughs> that they didn't have the balls to be in the Gilbert and Sullivan musical, the operetta. Wow. And the first year he got the quarterback and the biggest uh, troublemaker in the school to be. And when everyone saw that, at my high school, the thing that you wanted to do was be in that goddamn Gilbert and Sullivan. Oh, Everyone amazing. wanted to be in the Gilbert and Sullivan operetta. Oh, that's so that so was cool. a goal. So I was exposed that to that. That sounds like a musical. Yeah, you that itself. Sounds- <laughs> You're right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I always thought it would be a great movie, actually. And now, you know, you guys, you can do that as a segment of Is, is This, this a- Anything? Yeah. But, <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, so I have, so I have Light Opera, and I have The Andrews Sisters, and I have mu- Broadway musicals, and I and have rock. all the rock music. So when I met Seth... Uh, I would throw out a reference Seth? from my childhood. Seth? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds familiar. Yeah, that's you saying it. We're, we're, we'll get um, to that quote later. Well, and then the other thing, Alec, which I know you, you and I have a similar sensibility, but from different decades, is like in that house I grew up in, the television was just never not on. Yeah, it was always. always, always on. So any commercial from the 60s, any TV reference, any song, any jingle... 
uh, they're all in my head, and I, you know, I don't know any math, but I know that stuff, you know. <laughs> Me too. And 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 f- I found a line of work where that pulling that stuff out of the, my my memory serves, especially this wonderful show that we've been blessed to be a part yes. of. And 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 yeah. and, so, and I'm sorry to circle back to the reason it's not as mean circle. anymore. The, the the reason it's not as mean anymore is. We we got I, uh, one, of, uh, one of the many perks. I got to meet Whoopi Goldberg in our office, and <laughs> yeah. she said, "You know, Danny, if you're lucky and you live long enough, you get to a point where you're all proved out, <laughs> and you've got nothing to prove to wow. anybody." And I feel like a lot of us who have survived the th- the three cancellations and the you know yeah. the lean years and the ups and the downs and Seth leaving to do movies and all these other things, and we're actually at a point where we go okay, we're not resting on our laurels, but we kind of proved out. So we don't have to be as mean about it. And we don't have the desperation that we had when we were scrambling and worried that we were done. You know, that's such a good point. That's such a good point. And I want to ask you while we're on this uh, topic of music, just because I I like to give folks an opportunity to pat themselves on the back a little bit. Tell me (laughs) like what, what song that you helped write or wrote at family guy are you most proud of? Do you, is there one that jumps to mind? Uh, I would have to, drunken Irish dad. Uh, oh, that because, was hilarious! Because uh, that was one that uh, I remembered uh, Seth saying, "Write it like a shanty." Uh, he gave me the structure. He changed maybe one or two words, but Walter Murphy and I, I gave it to Walter. And 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 I think the one thing I understood about Seth was his particulars are syllables. The syllables have to. Yes. He, there's two things. The syllables have to line up. You can't cheat that. And you and also it has to. Very important. It has to sing like it says, I think. It has to, you can't be like clunkily jamming words. Like I hate in uh, uh, Jim Morrison, The Doors, take a long holiday. (laughs) Like take, when I was a kid, I was like, is he sing, is that Swahili? What is he saying? (laughs) Like that doesn't sing like it says, take a long holiday. It's take a long holiday. Take a long holiday. Like (laughs) Seth would Seth would have if he, Seth was in the doors, that song never would have been on the radio. He would have thrown that. He would have went, no, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. He would have been so cool he, in the doors. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> and he would have been mad, and it just never would have happened. So, well, now anyway, because you but, mentioned yeah. Dr- "Drunken Irish Dad," which is a yeah. great song, g- yeah. g- give me if you can remember off the top of your head the, the names. Finnegan, Hannigan, Kelly, and Flanagan look to the ground when their dad passes by. Cafferty, Rafferty, Joyce, and O'Lafferty look, fight for his honor, and then start to cry. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah. There was a, well, there was a thing called, again, in my weird upbringing, there was something with Danny Kay where he did a patter song where it was all names of people, and he did a PBS yeah. special where he's tried to do it as fast as anybody. But that Cafferty, Rafferty, Joyce, and O'Lafferty, again, that comes from... Gilbert and Sullivan, I am the very model of a modern major general yes. of information, vegetable, animal, and mineral, like uh, patter yeah. songs. And, and the dovetail into that was Dan Aykroyd saying, crazy Eddie's going crazy. You know, Al Harrington yeah. is the same sort of patter thing that I always appreciated, you know, wacky waving, yes. inflatable arm flailing two men. Um, it's something that's always... Uh, I knew we'd get it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> on Route 2 in Weekapog. Rhode Islanders know there's no Route 2 in Weekapog. That's right. Yeah, they'll yeah, call yeah. you out on that, I'm sure, when yeah. you're back there. Yeah. So you've written a ton of great music for the show, and, and I'm glad you highlighted Drunken Irish Dad. And now I want you to talk about a story that is maybe okay. not quite as happy, but I think oh, is no. so <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> okay. tell, us, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Wednesdays in Boston's North End. 
Oh yes, okay, so great. So again, drawing back on drawing back on uh, growing up in, in in Rhode Island. Now, if you grew up in New England, there was a there was a commercial. Anthony Martin Yeti lives in yes. Boston. He lives in Italian North End of Boston. It was a little Italian boy running through the streets of Boston, and his mom would yell out the window, "Hey, Anthony!" Anthony. If you, yeah. And then he'd be going through the street and all the Italian shopkeepers would go, Anthony, hey, hey. And it's the whole gist of the commercial was uh, Anthony Martin Yeti lives in Boston. He lives in the Italian North End. Most days he takes his time getting home from school. But on Wednesdays he can't get home fast enough because in the North End of Boston, Wednesday is Prince Spaghetti Day. <laughs> and that's like, he knew he was going to get Prince Spaghetti on the plate. He's an Italian, yeah. by the way, in the North End, you had Prince Spaghetti pretty much every night as far as right. I know. Yeah. So, so the reason Alec brings this up, and thanks because I thought I'd bury this after years of therapy, but <laughs> Seth is going to do early on, this is early in our run. He wasn't like Dash Rip Rock like he is now. Like he wasn't quite as <laughs> wildly like successful. He was just a little successful. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. So he's going to yeah. do the commencement speech at like Harvard, right? And, yes. and so he took us in a room and said, guys, you got you to help me, right? So we're trying to do Boston-centric jokes. And, yes. and he's going to do voices. And, and so he's going to do a quagmire. And, and, and again, sidetrack again, Alec. The thing that broke my heart was the Red Sox were, had won the World Series, and one of their big things was Dirty Water by the Standells. Yes. And sure. so as Quagmire, I said, I love the city of Boston. I love that dirty water and all the dirty women who live near it. Giggity, 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 <laughs> right? yeah. And I yeah. thought, well, that's a slam dunk. Well, he didn't Perfect know the song. Quagmire. You know, Seth, you know, Seth. He didn't know the song, and he thought somehow we're playing a fast one on him or something. He wouldn't right. do that. He wouldn't yeah. do that. Yeah. So the other joke I wrote that he did pick, and by the way, he did have a choice. Yeah, was course, I said, ah, yes. I love, I love, uh, I love Boston. I come here all the time, and I da, 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 and I forget what the setup was, but the punchline was because on Wednesday, every day except Wednesday, because on Wednesday in Boston it's Prince Spaghetti Day, and so <laughs> somewhere there's a video of this, and Alec and I we're watched watching it. it. We were watching so, it. So the other detail of this is that. Seth had to do this commencement speech in a driving New England rain, like a fire hose from the sky downpour. So the mood was very – it was one of those terrible late spring days where, where you could see your breath even though it's supposed to be summer now already. It was freezing cold, and no one's digging it, right? And there's no mics on the audience. Oh, no. And, oh. and you know, this is not my so – like yeah. You can't hear – people right well it's not a you, sitcom right. exactly. <laughs> the, the audience is yeah, not mike right. and it's yes. like you can only hear seth and here he is as quagmire and he's like and wednesday is prince spaghetti day and all you can hear is the boston rain <laughs> you can hear it on dead on um, hitting umbrellas yeah it's hitting, like hitting umbrellas <laughs> like a funeral like like the funeral that it was is like the sad hole in the ground pouring in the rain funeral Oh. And when and he came back and he was so mad at me for <laughs> yeah. writing that joke. And he's like, "You fucking picked it, man! I didn't, I didn't tell you." And it, there was and it was said. It was the first indication I got that maybe I'm getting a little long in the tooth because those kids at Harvard didn't know that reference. It was 30 oh. years old. They were yeah. 20. They hadn't right. been born yet. No one knew it. Maybe maybe the faculty might have been laughing, but I doubt it. <laughs> right. And uh, it was just a disaster. The, the and he held side. that against me. The yeah. flip side of the bliss of getting something in <laughs> is yes. the horror 
Yeah. First, the period of not knowing the the uh, the purgatory. Yes. So, yeah. Yes. Purgatory. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like the bliss of getting it in, then the purgatory yeah. of not knowing if it's going to work. Yes. And then <laughs> oh. when it doesn't oh. work. Oh. oh yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah. if you've gone through that cycle enough, when you get something in now, you skip directly to the the terror that it's not going to work because <laughs> yes. you've been through it. Yeah. And you that's yeah. what you know. You don't get the bliss. You don't get the rush. You go, I'm pitching to survive. Yeah. Fuck, I got something in. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm on yeah. the record. Yes. 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 And, and, he knows and, it's me. Yeah. And and it, actually, Seth Green said to me one time, he goes, oh, it's easy for you guys. When he was on camera in, in other shows, he'd say, well, it's easy for you guys because it's not your face. You know what I mean? When that joke bombs, nobody at Harvard goes, wow, Danny Smith really fucked up there. It's like, Seth yeah. MacFarlane's terrible. Yeah. And, and we're, ra- oh. we're getting rained on. God, that was, Sorry, it, was Seth. Such a, it, it was such a relatable comedy writer moment to, to have that. Like, of, again, it's your, Seth MacFarlane, it's your choice to pick yeah. these jokes. Yeah. Take them or leave them. We're yeah. just here giving you free jokes. And then when it doesn't work, you have to pay. Oh. You must pay for a decade. Oh. Well, it's, it's oh, like God. I'm reading this. This book about Trump and and one of the things that the advisors were trying to do is not give him like you'd give a normal president a lot of options yeah, but with yeah, him yeah. they were like he'll pick like nuke Pakistan so like don't have that on a piece of paper because <laughs> no, he'll right. fixate yeah. he'll go like yeah. we can nuke Pakistan yeah. and it's sometimes <laughs> it's in, in these jobs I'm not saying that's with Seth but I'm saying with no no with no. other people you have to be very careful like you always want to give them a full breadth of options yeah. but you yeah. have to be very careful what you give them. Yeah. Because, yeah. you, you know, you notice people will sometimes yeah. pick the most self-destructive thing and then you yeah. pitch it to them. So you can't go like, I don't know. You were just trying to fill out a page yeah. to show work. Yes. Yeah. And, and, you, and honestly, Goldie, it. it's a tribute to Seth, too, that uh, he that was a case. And, and he's done this many times in our room where he did trust us. He did yes. trust me. And that's what um, one of the many, many things I miss uh, about working with him day to day when he would take a wild swing, he'd let you take a wild swing and go with it. And, and that was one of the many rewarding things. And I, I'm sure you guys would agree it's- about writing for Family Guy, because in a standard sitcom, the first pitch you always think of, everyone would laugh and you'd go, yeah, but we can't say that on this show. You can't say that. Family Guy, that's the one that you do say. Yes. And Seth, and, and that, that's part of what made, I feel it, punch through early on. There was also a sense of uh, fatalism that we weren't going to come back anyway. So we would just, don't, we were so offensive and so, kind, for its time, we were kind of really out there. But uh, Alec, you and I share a great affinity for Monty Python. Yes. And what I loved about Family Guy was it's the closest I'll ever come to writing Monty Python where you could fit anything into totally. that show. And it didn't have to, you didn't have to wrap it up with a, a morality lesson at the end. And, and yes. you didn't have to worry about offending children or well, whatever. And, 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 it is. And, 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 and by the way, Seth, yeah, I was going to say Seth is still like that, Goldie. To tell yeah, me, I was going to tell the story yeah. at the top, but basically we were working on uh, Ted. And the TV this was show. just recently. And yeah. there, there was this thing that was pitched in the room that was making us all just, you know, die with laughter. And of course, you know, it goes from, well, we can't do that to all of a sudden he's just typing it in the script. And the, <laughs> the, the thing that yeah. I love yeah. about Seth, and yeah. I think the thing that we all share as comedy writers yeah. is we have to know what it's like to taste the gun. We have to know. <laughs> like the gun is there, yeah. Yeah. and it's like I gotta yeah. know what this thing tastes like. <laughs> yeah. Why? Yeah. It's not gonna taste good, but yeah. you, you have to know what's gonna happen. And what I like about him is he shares that with us. That it's like, yes, yes. this is so crazy. Like, yes. 
it might not work, but yeah. if it does work, right? How great will it be? Yeah. You know, yes. why not yeah. try? Can, Goldie, can I tell you a, an extreme version of that too? Was we were trying to find a blow for a scene where where Peter was hanging around with Bill Clinton and they stole a pig from a farmer, and the ending was I, I always had this love hate thing with the show Hee Haw, and we were trying to think of the uh, a button to the scene and. And I go, well, the farmer said, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then he looks at the camera and goes, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Conway Twitty. And, <laughs> yes. and, and, Seth, and of course, Seth gets all pe- – and we look up Conway Twitty and we find the view and we cut to a clip. And I'll never forget this. Like I was so excited that he was going to do it. But then I said, well, how much of this song are we going to show before we cut out? And he goes, all of it. Oh, <laughs> wow. All of it. And it was three minutes long. <laughs> And I, I go, that. that's three minutes long, and I'll never forget this. He, and I, he may not remember that he said this, but I, rem- I swear he said this. He goes, let them worry about it. Yeah. And, uh-huh. and, and we did the whole, if you ever see that first one, it goes on. Now, yeah, the end of that story is yeah. I was on a plane once. I was on JetBlue, and I was walking back from the bathroom, and the kids in front of me were watching Family Guy, and it was that episode. <laughs> and I craned up in my seat to see how long their heads would stay focused on the screen would, <laughs> until they... And, they, and T- Conway Twitty is singing and singing. At one point, their heads looked at each other. <laughs> and they looked, but they never changed the channel. They laughed through the whole thing. And I thought, God damn it, he was right. He was right. Yeah. You know? That's and, so uh, funny. Well, yeah. I, I think while well, well, we're on the topic of that, yeah. uh, and, and something I always like to give you credit for because it's such a big part of Family Guy history, and, and you can fill in the blank here. So... We were writing an episode, the one where Jesus uh, comes back. And yes. I Dream of Jesus, I think. I it's Dream called. of Jesus, written and, by. And, and so, yeah, oh, probably, probably Steve. Starry News. <laughs> no, it was Brian Scully, I think. Oh, Brian Scully. Okay. I think it's so, Brian. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So, uh, there's a scene where Peter uh, has to, we're, we're trying to figure out, Peter has to have a fixation on a certain record, an album, a song. And we wanted it to be something just so kind of stupid and pointless. And so we're, we've been sitting there for maybe five minutes trying to think of what this song might be. And then you had been, I don't know, out getting I, a snack or, or I something. I came in late. And yeah. you, you, you walked into the room. And before you had even sat down, I remember looking up at you and saying, like, we're trying to think of a really stupid song. And before <laughs> you sat down, you said what? Uh, a surfing bird. Oh, <laughs> I went, wow. oh, Surfing Bird. Yeah. Oh, Surfing Bird. And it oh, was that great. It whoa. was that great uh, thing with Seth when this happened, because it didn't happen most of the time where he, Seth never says, Eureka, you're a genius. <laughs> yeah. Seth's version of that is, huh. <laughs> and if he does that, you're like, you're, you know, you're onto something. And he's like, yes. huh. <laughs> but this is again, Alec, and you were there. You remember this. Yes. That caught fire immediately, right? He started, right. he got up from his chair, he started doing that dance <laughs> yes. that Peter ended up doing. But my favorite thing, and this is the best, among the best things of working with Seth was, not only did he say yes and go with that, but he starts riffing on it. And my favorite moment, and it's in the show, you can see it, where he's singing to the family and he goes, Chris, don't you know about the bird? Meg, everybody knows that the bird is a word. He did that. He did that improv. Guy behind the counter. Bird is the word. Lady on the toilet. The bird is the word. (laughs) Frightened little child. The bird is a word. And he, that all came from Seth just because of the two words surfing bird. Yes. (laughs) 
<laughs> that and was a, what, what a towering home run of a moment that was. Wow. Just, just so great. And so, again, while we're on the topic of music, because this is something about you that has always fascinated me, you worked for a time as a singing waiter. I sure did. So t- tell <laughs> yeah. us a little yes. bit about wh- yes. where was that? What was that, that was in, like? Uh, Dennisport, Massachusetts. Dennisport. Uh, That's where you want now, to be now, 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 Alec, here's the thing. Now, you know about me, and anyone who knows me knows about it. If you ask me what time it is, I start with the Big Bang, the creation of the sun, <laughs> work through human history <laughs> yes. up to, it's three o'clock, by the way. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to tell you. So I had done a lot of uh, jobs, and I had worked in Summerstock Theater, and I was a. Uh, if I had time, I would tell you a brief story about being a steel worker. But on you the heels time. of being a steel worker, I pulled my. Uh, should I start with the steel worker go, thing? Go, I, please, okay, please, so this is the do. day. This is a true story, and it changed. This is the day my life changed forever. Yes. I wanted to be a Walt Disney animator, and I couldn't draw well enough to do it. So two years into college, I had by almost by accident, I'd seen the Broadway musical Annie of all things, and it changed my life. I was like, Fantastic. This is what I want to do. So I changed the theater. I got into it. And when college was over, I auditioned and got into a summer stock theater. And I spent the summer. I thought, this is awesome. I am up and running. This game is easy. Right? Yeah. Well, it's Rhode Island. When the summer ends and there's no summer stock theater, there's no work. So I had to go to work for my cousin Dennis as a steel worker. And it was so fucking, it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my whole life. And so we were, fast forward to, we're building a roller rink in Bridgeport, Connecticut, or Groton or someplace. <laughs> it was 10 below zero. And this is before cordless drills so you had to have a gas generator with a hundred foot extension cord to the ground and you're screwing in the roof and it's steel yeah. and it's 10 degrees and it's freezing now on um, i swear to god every word of this story is true i'm up on the roof so it was so cold that the generators would stall out and when it did as long as you kept moving you could you could handle the cold but when you stopped moving it was cold biting right you're from new england you know yeah right I'm up on the roof and the generator stalls and I'm like, motherfucker, it's 10 below zero. I'm, fr- I'm not kidding. And I took my gloves off. I was freezing because I was, the wind was blowing in my face and I swear to God this happened. My eyes watered and all of a sudden I said, oh my God, I'm, I, I, I'm blind. I'm, I'm blind. Well, what my, honest to God, my eyelashes had fro- frozen together. Shut. My eyelashes froze, and I couldn't open my eyes. So I took my gloves off, threw them on the roof, and I, I literally was like massaging my frozen the icicles off my I couldn't open my eyes, and I went, I've never been so cold in my life. So now I look down, and, uh, and I, um, I put my hands on the gloves to get up, and my knees had frozen to the roof. Oh, Because wow. I had so much sweat from working, the, oh. my knees froze. So when I stood up, the knees of my jeans ripped and the long johns underneath them ripped and the four layers of skin on my knees ripped and the cold went right up into my pants. And I, I was 20 or 21 years old, and I started crying. I just started crying. Oh, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and my cousin Dennis, who was the, he was like the Incredible Hulk, only handsome. He was like one of the Beach Boys, but, but he was built like the Hulk. And he was the, the it was his company. He was like yeah. a drill sergeant, and he stood over me, and I'm like <laughs> blubbering, and he goes, "What's your problem? What is your problem?" And I go, "My problem." I'm not doing what I want to do with my life. And he goes, and I'm on a steel construction crew. And he goes, you don't, oh yeah? Well, what do you want to do with your life? And I look up at him. I still can't believe I had the courage to say this to this hulking giant. I go, I want to be an actor. And I swear to God, everyone in my family is funny. Without even taking a half a second, he goes, you want to be an actor? He goes, 
Why don't you try acting like a fucking steel worker? Because you're, you're the worst one I got. You are the worst one I got. And, and so that changed my life. And I, and I quit like the next day. But when I was in my solitude, I was like, you know, he's right. And I made a decision that day because I had been moping around and I wasn't trying hard as a steel worker. Yeah. My heart wasn't in it. And I decided that day, any job I do, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do less than 100% because that's what Dennis required, you know? Yeah. So yeah. in that spring, they had a thing called the New England Theater Conference Auditions where you go to Boston, you wait all day long, you do an uptune and a ballad, and, a, and you have your fucking shitty college resume with your bad pimply photograph and your, yeah. and your trumped up credits, your fakey credits that you did so much work at age 20. And, uh, and I had all these choices and I took the job as a singing waiter in Cape Cod. And wow. unlike the rest of them who were all entitled and saying like, I have so much training and I went to Emerson and I went to this and I just said, I'm going to be the best goddamn singer. I could, you know, I'm not that great a singer, but I can carry a tune. And we lived in a little cottage on the Cape and, and it was a whole summer of like singing at night, drinking, playing. Donkey Kong was a new thing. Oh, it, awesome. it, it, it was the summer of uh, E.T. and Poltergeist. And, uh, oh, 82. And, and I, had a, 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 I just had a wonderful time doing That's that. That's so great. So uh, you, your, your real life stories, like basically they stole flash dance from you. Except uh, yeah, yeah, it wasn't, very much so. Not dancing, very, I, I, it was yes, Yeah, I wasn't as good looking as Jennifer Beals, but I suffered in the mill like she did. I worked in a foundry too. Uh, but, you know, uh, I'm not jumping the track on you, but it was on the heels, Alec, of that. When that summer was over, uh, I had to go back to being a caddy because I couldn't go back to being a steel worker because he wouldn't have me. Yeah. Uh, and, and while uh, coming home from caddying, I stopped at the Lincoln Mall to get like a Papa Gino's pizza. And there was a sign in there for an audition for a, t- a local TV show called PM Magazine. Oh, yes. And uh, I went to uh, the audition after caddying, and the long and short of it was I got that job. So, uh, yes, I got you to, were a correspondent on I was on the Rhode local Island's. From an ad you saw in a Papa Gino's? It was in the wow. Lincoln Mall. They had parked the van, and it said uh, PM Magazine is holding an open audition. They, they wanted the local person to be the facts and fables expert and and this the reason i bring this up alec is it it dovetails right into family guy yes. because when i met seth all the shit i know about rhode island was partly from growing up there but it was mostly from that job because i had to go to the historical society and look up the history of the great swamp fight you know yeah. or you know the, the, the second largest self-supporting marble dome in the in, in the world is the rhode island providence uh, state capitol building or the Newport oh mansions God. and all this. I knew I had this fount of information. And, and when we started Family Guy, one of the things I learned in the Groundlings was specific is always more funny than general. So instead yes. of saying a body was found at the shore, if you say a body was found at the Fox Point hurricane barrier, yeah. it just sounds funnier <laughs> like Monty Python, funny. like Watney's Red Barrel or, yes. you know, Wankel Rotary Engine, you know. The bleeding Watney's Red Barrel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I'm all over the map, as no, you know. This is I what it's it. like in the room, guys. You're, I'm you're, by I'm, the way, you're, you're all over a very small map, which is Oh, Rhode yes, Island. that's right. So, <laughs> the biggest little state in the union. That's right. So, yeah. and, and you do, uh, I've noticed this over the years. How could you not? You contribute so many 
like you just said, the, the storm barrier or whatever it is, the yeah, Fox Point yeah. storm barrier. Yeah. So many of the geographical details in Family right. Guy are provided yeah. by you because yeah. you have all these phrases and, and all this knowledge at the ready. And it's been so helpful to make the show much more colorful over the years, um, which is amazing. So now you've talked about you you wanted to be an actor. I think the three, maybe all four of us are kind of frustrated performers on this podcast where we would all, I mean, JC is actually doing it. So I can't really say she's frustrated, (laughs) but the the rest of us, you know, Goldie and I did stand up. I think we, any acting thing thrown our way, we're like, yes, you know, we lap Mm -hmm. that shit up like a dog. So you wanted to be an actor, a performer. You, You pursued that. Then what was the change and what was your what brought you to LA and what was your yeah. first job? Oh, oh yes, great question. Um well, the, the change the, the beginning of the change was when I got that PM magazine thing. Yes. I thought this is going to be my audition tape for Saturday Night Live. My thing was I'm going to be funny because they don't <laughs> nobody's funny and they don't have a, and so every one of my stories I was like whacking it up like wackadoodle Danny boy, uh, you know, like hooty boopy some lady uh, 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 oh god, some lady said you're very good, but stop with all that boop boop doo which I've never said ever, except for just now. And it, that was her old lady criticism of me. I like you on the show, but stop with all that boop boop doo and, and in their own way, Channel 10 was saying the same thing. And the, but the healthy thing I got out of it was the guy said, it was the first time anybody ever said to me, uh, the guy, his guy's name was Mike Valerio, and he said, listen, he said, I know you're trying to be funny, but you're a really good writer. He goes, because I had to write my own little piece every year. Yeah. He says, your writing is very strong. And I'd be like, mm, not what I want to hear. You know, I want, I want you to tell me mm-hmm. I'm going to be Al Pacino, you know, or something right, like right, that. Right, right, so, right. Um, Al Pacino but, on PM Magazine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But when I, <laughs> no, no, no. Um, but then, um, so I, I, I did that for two years and I, I, I couldn't make any money at Channel 10. So I had to sell cable TV at night. And I, 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 another turning point in my life was uh, I went to Chris Did Walden. Did anyone say it's the guy from TV yes. trying yes, to Yes, Goldie. Sell it's TV. so funny. It took me twice as long to sell cable because I would go, my name is Danny Smith from Communicom Cable or Dimension Cable, whatever it was. And this street's been wired for cable and blah, blah, blah. And do my whole sales pitch and they'd go, what are you doing here? And I'd go, I'd, they'd go they were looking, where's the, ca- they thought I was doing a remote camera, like a candid camera thing. And I go, no, no, I'm really, and they go, but you're on television. They, they think, and in Rhode Island, right. if you're on television, you're You've rich. Made it, yeah. I thought like, that why would you possibly, up. yeah, yeah why would you possibly, I was like, well, this is how I make, this is how I buy my groceries. I, I have to, you have to buy this shit from me. And so it would take me twice as long for that reason. But again, you know, like John Prine was a mailman. He, yeah. He, his songs were written about the things he'd see in the houses where he delivered the mail. And I do think, like, I always tell my kids, nothing is wasted. No forward movement is ever wasted. So, yes, it sucked going door to door in Pawtucket, selling cable TV. But I like to think, when I think of the Griffins and some of the things I bring to it are what I saw every one of those nights walking around Rhode Island and meeting people and, and yeah. finding out how much they could afford or couldn't yes. afford or what yeah. shows they wanted to watch or, right. You know. Or when we're, when, when we're, when we're pitching on what's in the old lady's candy dish, yeah. so you have like a hundred <laughs> of those candy oh, I've dishes. I've seen a lot of butterscotch candies in my <laughs> yeah, life. Exactly. Yes. yes. 
Uh, so, but I went to the head of Channel 10 and I had done my budget and I asked him, it's so funny when I tell this story now, I think Garth Brooks has a song called Thank God for Unanswered Prayers. I, yeah. I asked the guy, I said, I could pay my rent, do my groceries, play golf on the weekend. If you could just please, please give it, give me $200 a week. $200 a week was what I was asking. And yeah. the guy looked at me like I was out of, from out of space. He goes, we don't have that kind of money. And it was <laughs> then that I said, well, I had to go. I had to go if I was going to yeah. keep trying. So it was either New York or LA. And we had a, I had a friend who I went to college with who lived out here. And I moved, to, uh, moved out here like I advise all young people to do. I jumped in on the deep end and started swimming. And, yeah. um, uh, and so I sold cable first- TV here. Uh, what, and, and, okay, so yeah. you you started doing that, and now what was how did you get an agent or did you get a job first? Like how did that uh, go? No, no. What happened was, and and, and again, I'll, I'll try to shorthand it as much as possible. That same friend from college ended up working at Warner Brothers, and after about a year of struggling and starving, and I was doing the Groundlings workshop. I try, I did do stand up like you guys, and got up wherever I could. It was awful. And, um, and he got me a job. I said, I, I, I was always almost at the end of my rope after a year. And I said to my friend, Doug Wright, who I really do thank him eternally for this. I said, Doug, is there anything at Warner Brothers that I could do? I'll sweep the floor. I don't give a yeah. shit. I've been a steel worker. I've been a, I'll, uh, you know, do they have a steel mill? I'll work in the steel mill. You know? <laughs> and he said, there's a job in TV estimating. And, uh, and I didn't know what that was. And I, yeah, TV, it's, like the, it's like the front of accounting. Like you put numbers on a card. All it was was you put numbers on a card that designate where the money's supposed to go, then payroll pays it, and then accounting tries to figure out where it went. Right. And it was a desk job. But the benefit of the job was I sat at a desk, and every Monday they would deliver every script that was being done on the lot. So all I had, wow. I, I used to tell people I had two hours of responsibility to spread over an eight-hour day. And what did I do in the middle? I read every single Night Court script, every Growing oh. Pain script, every Sister Sam, every Murphy Brown, every wow, Scarecrow great. and Mrs. King. And after a while, I started Scarecrow recognizing, as you guys know from doing this, a, a sitcom script is like a 50-page haiku. There's like a structure <laughs> to it that I started, my brain started doing that math on the glass of like, I could do yeah. this. I could do this. You could do, you know, end it with a joke and then thing. So I started, and in the time that I was starving, I wrote 14 spec scripts. Oh my wow. God. And, and then, oh and then, God. yeah. So I tell people if you wrote one, I go, that's great. Now write another one. Because the yeah. heart of everything you do, you push that boulder up over the hill and then you realize there's another fucking hill. Writing the spec <laughs> script is hard. Guess what's a thousand times harder? Getting anyone to read one of them. You know yeah. what I mean? And then I'd seen enough to see that you got to be on a show, you can't be in the clerical department. You can't be in TV estimating. You got to be in production. So the pro- the production assistant for head of the class came in every day, and he was mad. He'd throw the cards down because he'd gone to USC film school and he was getting the lunch. Yeah. You know, I'm fucking better than this, and I'm too good to be getting the lunch. Yes. Da, 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 da. And right before Christmas, he quit. And I had seen enough to go. Really, you quitting? And he goes, Yeah. I go. I hope you're not angry. I'm going over there and ask for your job. Yeah. You can fucking have it, pal. And I went over, and they all knew me because I used to deliver their cards, and they thought I was kind of funny. And I was, the, I was a 30-year-old PA. Wow. And just like when I was a steel worker, I said, I'm going to be the best fucking PA they have ever. I'm going to be indispensable. And I never – I just – and whenever I could, I would talk to people. And, and after a year and a half, I was a PA. Then they made me some kind of production supervisor, which was just a PA who didn't have to get the lunch anymore or something. Right. Right. Totally. You know? yeah. and, uh, and but at the but end of the first year – at the first year, I was comfortable enough to get Rich Eustace and Michael Elias, who created Head of the Class, I said, 
listen, I have, I gave them a spec and they read the head of the class spec, but they were, as you know, Alec, it's too, if someone gives you a family guy, you're like, yeah. it's too, I'm too close to the fire. So yeah. they said, do you have anything else? And I go, fuck yeah, I got fucking 14 of them. <laughs> and I gave them a, a night court script and I noticed that they didn't hire me on the spot, but they started talking to me more after he read that night court script. And I didn't realize that he was already making a decision at the end of my second year. What a, what a moment when they called me in the room and they said, um, Michael and I had a talk and we're going to put you on the writing staff for oh, next year. God. And that yeah. Was, yeah, I got uh, goosebumps just thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, Danny gives yeah. himself goosebumps. I yeah, love that. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, that was, yeah, that was the start of my long and illustrious career. Amazing. As a, as a and so... Yeah. So you were on head of the class for how many seasons? It was I was in the final season, and, and in the off season, the two big developments were they hired me, and they fired Howard Hessman, which was, you know, the oh. children on head of the class were all basically in their 30s. Like, we had Robin <laughs> right. Givens. As, and, and, and so it was like, the ABC kept saying, you got to get rid of these children. you got to get younger kids, because it's silly. They look like the faculty, you know? And, right. and, they're, and they, the guys were so faithful to those kids who, in their minds, got them there. They yeah. did. They had uh, twelve Pete Bests, you know, and they didn't want to bring in Ringo, and so they kept them. And their answer was they fired Howard, which didn't make any sense. But the blessing for me was they hired Billy Connolly, the yes. Scottish comedian, and he came in, and he was Billy. And so uh, I, I loved working with and for him, and that was my. Uh, so I had one year on that show. Uh, well, now, now, you, since you brought us here, yes, I have yes. to, I have to ask you to to tell that Billy Connolly story, which oh, makes me great, laugh so hard. Great, yes, great story. Billy was so funny, and the problem that he was having was his act was very, he was very free with his language. You know, fuck, he, fuck, and for for he, those of you who don't know, yeah. Billy Connolly is a famous Scottish in, in, comedian. Yes. In, in, in the United Kingdom, someone told me you could just put his name on a marquee and it would sell out. Like, you, yes. you don't even have to say what night it is. It just said, Billy Connolly, <laughs> everybody. That's how big he is. And here, nobody kind of knew who he was, but I, right. I loved him. So this is awesome. Yes, Alec, this is a great story. So, so we had, and those guys, they were, Rich and Michael were, were so wonderful, you know, and they were so kind to everyone who worked for them. So we had a woman named Maria. Yeah. And like everyone, she had a resume and wanted to be an actress. And you know, I, I can't speak to her ability, but, you know, we all want that. Everybody yeah. wants that. So whether you got the goods or not, you're going to find out along the way. And you, you don't get a break. You know, it's really hard in the, yes. to get a SAG card or whatever. So sure. it's very late in the season. They've got three or four. They're winding down. Our, we're circling the drain, as my buddy yeah. said. We're about to go down. <laughs> and these guys are trying to, like, pardon everybody, you know, use their presidential part. So they, yeah. they very kindly wrote a small part for this Maria to be on the show. And she had like one line, like very good, Dr. Samuels or something like that. She was a a judge of a singing contest or something like, well, I've seen enough to know you're very talented. Whatever it was, she had one line. And so the most beautiful gesture on Billy's part at the end, if if those of you who've worked on sitcom at the end, they have a curtain call and they say, you know, you know, William Daniels, you know, whatever it is. You know, and uh, so we're, we're on the floor and Maria had, done her line, and Billy Connolly did this beautiful, eloquent speech about you in the audience tonight are witnessing the birth 
birth of a burgeoning career, an up-and-coming star in the making. You know, he teed her up so high. He goes, you are witnessing the first paid performance of Marie Palantonio. I'm changing her name, you know. <laughs> Let's her. Marie came out and she, with her, she blessed us with the, the gift of her. And right in the middle of the speech, she, she taps him on the arm and interrupts him. And he goes, huh, what? What? Like pulls him out of his reverie, right? He's 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 weaving a tapestry of praise right. so beautiful that I can't wait to see what she does next. Like I'm already sold. She's fucking awesome, right? She's Kate Blanchett, you know, or whatever. And she interrupts her own awesome thing to grab literally grab his arm. Don't touch the people, right? Don't touch the stars, right? And he goes, huh? What? What? She goes, it's Marie. She takes the mic from Billy Connolly and she goes, it's Maria. And he goes, oh what? She goes, it's Maria. And, and very antically into the mic, she goes, I don't care if you give me a bad review, just don't spell my name wrong. And Billy Connolly takes the mic, he goes, fuck you. <laughs> you fucking asshole. He goes, there won't, this is my favorite line and I've used it ever since. He goes, there won't be a second time, asshole. <laughs> I love that. He was so aghast. I couldn't believe it. I was like, why did you do that? Why? And I'm guilty of the same. I tell Alec all the time in interviews, I I always drive past my own exit. Like, she couldn't just take the ride. She had to insinuate her. And it was so fun. I'm still laughing at that. I got goosebumps just thinking about that one. Can I ask you to tell a story that I love is The Price is Right in the Boat? Oh yeah, yeah. I, we we had moved. My ex-wife and I had moved here from Rhode Island. We were living in North Hollywood, and my mom was coming out to visit. And I'm not exaggerating to you when I we had rented this little bungalow, and we had no furniture. We had no furniture. We were sl- literally sleeping on the floor. We had a little black and white TV, yeah. and anything we could have fit into the Chevy Chevette when we drove out here. And my mom was going to come out in January, you know, to visit and make a pie and uh, (laughs) see how we're doing, you know, and report back to what a disaster it is, you know. Of course. And the only thing my mom wanted to do was go to see The Price is Right. And that was the one thing. And she wanted to see Johnny Carson, too, of course. But but, uh, she had written in advance and gotten tickets to The Price is Right. So I was selling cable TV, and I took the day out of work from selling cable to go down there and... Now, I was kind of excited, too, because when you're a kid in, in Rhode Island, in February, they have a vacation in the winter, and every, I would watch Prices Right with my mom, and my mom was a checker, which is a, a cash register lady. She was a checker at Almax. So I know all the prices. I know all the prices. You, you know all you got. They get me up there. And again, I told you, boop, my mom thought she was funny. So we go to the thing, and my ex-wife was like, what is this? Like, she didn't literally know what it was. And so we went down there and it's a perfect so, in law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you know, someone who couldn't have cared less and someone who could not wait to get up there with Bob Barker, which was my mom, and me in the middle of it. And so we go and you sit on these aluminum benches like the old Schaefer Stadium, mm-hmm. and you're sitting out there in the cold, and they come out and they, you finally go in and, and Mark Goodman or Bill Todman, whichever one of those guys, literally interviews every single person in that audience. How are you? Where are you from? You know? And um, you get to my mom and, you know, how are you? Uh, what's your name? Nan. My mom's name was Ann, but everybody called her Nan. And what do you do for a living? Textile worker. 
That was her response. Like, well, she thanks for coming, man. Like, and I knew she's dead in the water. Yeah. I told him, oh, I'm a cable TV salesman and I'm trying to be an actor. <laughs> and my ex-wife goes and she goes, oh, hi. And, and uh, I'm an aerobics instructor. And he goes, oh, where do you do that? And she goes, Jack LaLanne's. And where is that? In Burbank. And he goes, well, you know you can't say Jack LaLanne's on television, right? She goes, oh, okay, or whatever. And I was like, uh-oh. My spidey senses were tingling. I'm like, yeah. she's going to get fucking picked. She's going to get picked. Yeah. I said, you're going to get picked. So we're sitting there. I said, They're gonna, the, the guy really talked to you. He looked at you. You're going to get picked. And I don't know why he wouldn't pick me. I'm a checker at Almax. <laughs> so so uh, we're waiting and waiting. And we watched the whole show. And it was thrilling, as you know, when you come out yeah. here. and like, I, I remember seeing Johnny Carson with that band. Uh, that was, But to see The Price is Right was Absolutely, literally thrilling for me. But I kept saying to my mom, I hope you're appreciating this because I'm losing $75 today, <laughs> taking the day out of work. And the last person, Johnny Olson, the old Johnny Olson, yeah. we have one, Bob Barker says, we have one more name, one more name. And he, and he called my ex-wife's name. Uh. Come on down. And, and so we had told her earlier, she said, if I ever get, if, that, if I do get picked, she started believing us. You're, uh, all right, you're going to get picked. She's like, well, if I get up there, you got to tell me what to do because I've never, I don't know what this is. I don't know what to do. So I go, cocky as shit. We're like, just, you just look at us. We'll coach you through this. But she's a checker at Almax and I've watched this my whole life. She gets up there and they roll out a set of dishes and my ex-wife turns and looks at us. We are sucking wind. We're like... We're like in shock. We can't even talk. She looks at us like, where's the fucking help you promised me, right? And just by unbelievable, she said 475 and it was 500 bucks. She wins the dishes. So she goes up there and we're still shocked, right? Now they roll out that thing with the four numbers and it's a piggyback game. And the one thing we needed, we wouldn't have dreamed of this. We needed a car because we had driven this crappy Chevette and it was dying. It was going back to the soil. And they come out, you win either a bunch of these big teddy bears or a new car. Oh, my God, right? So they did the piggyback game. Uh, the long version is she went back and forth, and I called the last number, which was one, and we won the fucking car. We won a car. Whoa, that was unbelievable. unbelievable. So now I'm sitting there. I'm going, I thought I was losing $75, and we won a car. Now she spins the wheel. She gets in the showcase, right? <laughs> so then the guy brings me down there, and they go, they open the first showcase, which is always a little shittier than the second one. Yes, the first one is, it's a bedroom set. And my mother goes, oh, this is, this is God's work. You're, there's your bed. You don't have yeah. a bed. And that's a bedroom set. And I'm like, we ain't taking that shitty 1970s oak bedroom set. Like, it had a TV with an eight-track player still. Like, that's all. It had been sitting in that warehouse. No one wanted to bid on that thing. So we passed on it. And the second trip, the second one was a trip to New Orleans, five ounces of gold, a solid gold watch, and a ski boat. A ski boat. And... She wins the goddamn showcase. She won everything. And the funniest upshot of it was we didn't have a bed, but we had a ski boat. And, and I lived in North Hollywood. And, 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 and it was the craziest fucking thing. Like, we're sleeping on the floor. I had to go to Redondo Beach. And, and I never, if you've ever tried, we did a big bit on Family Guy of trying to tow a boat. Trying and back to back it into, the boat yeah. into the if water. If you have ever tried to tow a, a part, never mind. I had, I had to rent, I had to pay $25 extra to rent a shitty garage that was adjacent to my house. And I'm trying to thread the needle. <laughs> another oh, yeah. time like on the roof of the thing where I think I cried because I couldn't <laughs> back forget towing backing yeah. a ski boat into yeah. a yeah. garage oh, yeah. the way it turns yeah. and it was crazy it's the opposite it was of what you think yeah 
And the ski boat, we had to pick up the day of. The guy couldn't wait to get rid of it. The car, we had to wait months and months. <laughs> of course. And, and you know what's funny, Goldie? You'll appreciate this. Is like everyone going in is so happy. Everyone. Yeah. And you win, and they hate you. Everyone in the audience <laughs> hates you. And you can see on TV, like I, we have it somewhere. I, you know, I've, I get made fun of. I have boxes of VHS tapes in my office. You this do. is on one of those tapes. But there's a guy, as soon as we win, this angry old Italian guy turns and goes, let's see you pay the taxes on that. Yeah, you have <laughs> and that, to. And, and that's all anyone said. Now you're in trouble. Now you're in trouble. But, you know, they were kind of right. I didn't have any money. And, right. and you had to, I, we had to pay like $1,200 to claim the boat. And Whoa. I, you know, I was oh. 24 years old. I'm like, the boat listed for $12,000. I go, I'll give it to you for $11,000. <laughs> uh. And the guy goes, buddy, he goes, this boat ain't worth shit. He goes, come and get it out of here. He goes, you wouldn't sell. You'd be lucky to sell this for six. Because I sell them for nine. Now get it out of here. Everybody's mad, you know? It was mad. <laughs> but it was a mirror. It was really a wonderful. And it was three months into LA. So there was, you know, I, I'm guilty of what they call magical thinking. But I remember thinking like, maybe we're on the right path here because that was truly a miraculous uh, experience. Yeah, it was, that was, it it's like an it. unbelievable story. It was the just whole great. Thing is so great. <laughs> yeah. uh, of course, yeah. the person who didn't want to be no, there, no, voiced no. it up and on again, stage, wins again, everything. Yeah, yeah. well, there you go. Acting, anything. The, if, if Desperation, they can smell it on you like yes. fish. And when you need something, <laughs> if you're in a job interview and you're like, <laughs> I really want yeah. that, they don't pay. I, I hope, but if you walk I hope in there, I get you go, yeah. I hope I get yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. How many boys how many girls how many people does he need no you can't oh, uh yeah that's so but that was great. it the one the person who didn't have any interest at all is the one they picked and, that's amazing what an yeah. amazing story so danny now yes. we're, we're about to get into to top five which I, okay. I i'm excited for you to join us for but i yes. just i feel like we need to arrive in the promised land of this <laughs> interview so tell us about how you got to family guy oh yes it's wonderful i I was blessed, and and there's a funny detail of this that you and I briefly overlapped in New York, but we didn't know this. each other. Yeah, I love this. And uh, do you mind if I tell that story? No, please. So do. I was working on a sitcom in New York. I had gotten divorced, and um, things were rough, and and uh, I went to therapy, and the shrink said, "Now you got to reframe the situation." I said, "What do you mean? Well, do something now that you would never do if you were married." So my agent was still Ari Emanuel, and it was staffing season, and he said, "Would you take a job in New York?" Mm-hmm. Now, had I been married, I would be like, oh, no, I can't uproot everyone and go there. But yeah. it was for so- a show called Soul Man with Dan Aykroyd. Yes. And I love Dan Aykroyd. And, I, and it was for Matt Williams, who created Home Improvement and Roseanne. And I got to live and work in New York, which I loved every minute of it. I won't, I'll spare you the details of that. But one of the final tapings of the year, there was a story where uh, Dan Aykroyd's character rented a pony for his girlfriend and I went down to the floor, and there's the pony, and the show ended with him very lovingly walking the girl around in a circle. And the pony had a guy with like a cowboy hat and a red bandana and like a denim coat. And years later, I'm telling the story about it. That guy was Alec. It was, he was, <laughs> and, 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 yes, and I didn't meet him, but Alec, I do remember, I think I told you this, I, I remember standing coming. on the floor looking yes. at you, and I honestly thought, and this is not a negative thing, or I just yeah. said, I wonder if that guy came with the horse. <laughs> like, what I meant was, like, were you the farmer who brought body? it down from, like, was the Hudson like, Valley? Yeah, was I the professional Or were you an handler? actor? Yeah, were you a wrangler? I didn't know if you were a wrangler. <laughs> yeah. And I remember what? saying, like, do you think that guy came with the horse? Like, because if 
if he did, this is a bigger day for the actor who got the call and said, you got to walk a horse around with Dan Aykroyd's girlfriend on it. Yes. But we never spoke. Yeah, no, that was, I, I think briefly, I think my, my college girlfriend who I was living with in New York at the time somehow yeah. had a connection to this animal handler and they said they, oh, they needed, they knew that I was struggling and wanted to do stand up and blah, blah, blah. And they yeah. said, well, you can do this and you'll get paid as an actor yes. to do this. I was like, sure. So I'm yes. walking this pony around the <laughs> yes. soul man, yes. not knowing that Danny was out there as one yes. of the writers. I was literally 20 <laughs> feet from you. I always say to people I've met through the years, I want God to show us the video on that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But I mean, there we were, there you and I were, because then within a, you know, a few years, you or I were in that room laughing our asses off yes. writing a, you and I were writing a gag about a train on a trestle track. I don't remember, but I said something and you laughed and I laughed and I remember thinking, yeah. oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really get along with this guy. Right. But, <laughs> but anyway, awesome. at the, at, when that season ended, we started late because Dan had done a sequel to the Blues Brothers. So most shows ended in March. We didn't end until May. Yeah. And at the last minute, they canceled it. And I, it's a, there's a long story about that, but they canceled it. So the problem was staffing season in those days was April and this was May. And I called Ari and I said, holy shit, we're canceled. I thought I was going to be in New York for five years. Yeah. And I said, am I screwed? And he said, well, kind of. He goes, there's still two jobs out there. You know, it was like musical chairs. You, you've had other writers yeah. talk about staffing season. Yeah. Uh, so I said, well, what are the two jobs? And he said, well, one of them is about a little boy who's smarter than his brother. They're going to shoot 13 of them and they're going to do it in Chicago. And I said, oh, fuck. that just sounds terrible. That sounds even more complicated than what I'm doing now. And this is a true story. Every word of this is true. I said, what's the other one? He said, the other one is a cartoon that a 24-year-old kid did on his kitchen table at night when he was working for Hanna-Barbera. <laughs> and honest to God, I'm not lying. I embellish things, but I didn't mess. I said to Ari, I said, is this the end of my career? <laughs> Seriously. I said, that's it? A cartoon that a 24-year-old kid did? You, people forget how outlandish this was. Yeah, I said, well, yeah. he goes, it's a job. They're hiring writers. He goes, you should, he goes, you should get your ass out here because they're starting like very soon. So I fly to LA, and this is how long ago it was when I checked into the airport Hilton. There's a VHS tape at the front desk. <laughs> I go up to the room and I pop the tape in, and it was Family Guy. And it was Seth's original pilot that he did. Wow. He drew like 80,000 drawings or yeah. something. He did all the voices. And Ari called me in the morning. He said, did you watch the tape? I said, yes. He said, what'd you think of it? I said, well, I like the dog. And I really <laughs> like that baby. I said, that fucking baby. <laughs> Stewie. I said, he's fucking funny, man. I said, that's actually really funny. He yeah. said, well, you're going to meet the kid today. He goes, they're, they're hiring. So I drove to Century City. And I sat in a room with Seth, uh, Seth, Seth? And, Seth, and David Zuckerman. And Seth, Seth was 24. I was 38 years old. And I remember thinking, like, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. Because he looked like Sherman from Mr. Peabody. Yes. He had big, yeah. big, thick. His eyes were like an owl. And, <laughs> and, and he had a Zoom shirt. I used to watch a show called Zoom. It was yes. a white-collared rugby shirt with blue and red broad stripes. Yeah. And he, he looked like a kid. He looked, and and he was, yeah. the first thing he said to me was, where, where are you from? And I said, Rhode Island. He goes, I thought so. And I'm like, how would you know that? 
he's got such a keen ear, as I would come to know, he picked out my Rhode Island accent. Amazing. And so he said, well, you know, I went to RISD, Rhode Island School of Design. Yeah. Ah, and I went, oh. So I just launched into, as I've been doing to you guys, I launched into Buddy Cianci <laughs> and Haven Brothers and Dell's Lemonade and Wes's Rib House and my drunk Irish cousins. And I just made him laugh. Yeah. And he just goes, ah, oh, you, you start tomorrow. You start tomorrow. Oh, and my God. the next day, I was in that room with 11 other guys who also missed staffing season, by the way. <laughs> oh, wow. And at the time, it was the funniest bunch of people. I, I couldn't get over how outlandish it was. And it was crazy. And you've all heard the war stories. But that yeah. was it. I was on the very, I was at the very beginning of it, the pilot. And I like to think my first contribution was his pilot had. Peter took money that didn't belong to him and the ending was he rented a hot air balloon and threw it down on the town of Quahog to give it back. So Zuckerman was like a a, a network driven guy. We got to think of a cross promotional. Zuckerman, David Zuckerman was co-show running with Seth. Co-show with with Seth. David said, and I came up with an idea over the, I said, instead of a hot air balloon, we were going to premiere after the Super Bowl. I said, why doesn't it be the blimp from, and have the two guys from the Super Bowl, have John Madden and Pat Summerall be the guy. And that was like Seth looking at me like Zuckerman even going, that's a great... That was my first that's contribution. palpable contribution to the thing. The drag of it was, and these are always these stories, we do it, everybody's thrilled, the network's thrilled, oh, it was great. So I feel like I'm on good footing here. And John Madden and uh, Summerall basically told us to go fuck ourselves. They, were like, <laughs> they saw the show and they were like, we're not. They didn't want, their, they didn't want to be associated with it. Too bad. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that was it. I was in that room and we were there for a year. And like I said years ago, I said, it was like a bar fight, but the punches were jokes. Everybody's just <laughs> joking the shit out of each other. And we were, it were long hours and people, uh, it was Ricky Blitt and Gary Gennetti and Steve Callahan was from day yeah. one. Was uh, he was originally the writer's assistant, but he was on yes. top of everything in that room, and we uh, all suffered. You know, I love uh, it. I love it. Yeah. I love the origin story, and I think <clears> that's <throat> a, yeah. that's a great place to 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 end at the beginning. But uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, Danny, like it's, it's always yeah. always such a pleasure talking to you and yeah. and hearing thank your you. stories, which are hysterical. Yeah. So thank you so much uh, for doing thank that. You. And this was a great thrill. Oh, thrill for us. And and yeah. thank you as well for doing this next segment that yes. we like to call Top Five. Top Five. Oh, that's beautiful. We should, we should get a Danny four-part harmony <laughs> I, know, there. I think yeah. he could oh. come over the top on us. All right, so um, I will set this up. This, is, this week's category is Top Five Songs That Live Up to the Hype, that live up to their own hype. They're songs that are... You hear about all the time, but they're actually as good as you hear. Yes. So, who would like who would like to go first here? Danny, Anyone? you want to go first? You want me to go first? Yeah. Go ahead, okay. Danny. So, okay. So, so when you sent me this initially, I'll, I'll confess to being confused because yep. I was like, "Well, who's hype? <laughs> who, who's who's hype? Are we talking about?" But I thought, "Well, come on now, just you know, go pretend you you can understand the assignment." And yep. Um, no, but I did put some thought to it. So you're going to see that the answers vary depending on who's hype. We're talking about here, and or what my we're first, talking about at and all. Goldie really? and I, Goldie and I, just had a yup war. <laughs> it was <laughs> just had a yup. Wasn't subtle. So top five. <laughs> I did put some thought to this, and um, I've actually enjoyed it very much because. Okay. Yep. So the first one is is one that 
Alec, you'll know this very well because you've heard me sing it many times. At yes. the, at, and this the is your number monkey. five. Where are we this is number five. five. Okay. Number five. All right. I'm sorry. You're count, yeah, counting no, down no. in order. Uh, it's called Romeo's Tune by Steve Forbert. And, <laughs> and the reason it lives up to the hype... What is, is because when I was 18, <laughs> no, but see, you weren't alive for the hype, JC, <laughs> sorry, because sorry. when I was yes. in college, Fair. there was a big, big story about the next big thing. Like when Bruce Springsteen came out, ah, he was the next Bob Dylan. Cool. And yeah. everybody was looking, well, who's going to be that next one? You know, it's certainly not going to be John Cougar. Uh, <laughs> and and um, they, we started hearing about this guy called Steve Forbert. And we do, he's a gritty <laughs> singer-songwriter guy. Trust me, everybody, he's going to be the next big thing. So he came to Providence College, and he played in a very small room. And my cousin Jimmy Sullivan and I went down there, and my cousin Freddie. And this guy was awesome. And he's, among the songs he, he sang was this song, Romeo's Tune. Meet me in the uh, middle of the day. Let me hear you say everything's okay. Bring me southern kisses from your room. And like Frank Thomas says on that cringy uh, Nugenics commercial, by the way, guys, she'll like it too. Uh, <laughs> ladies love that song. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I just loved it. And he didn't live up to the hype. But I, for me, that song sold me. And I've got every Great. record, everything that guy's ever done. So that's awesome. my number five. Nice. Check it out. You'll love it. Now, number four is a song that I have to say, honestly, I don't like. <laughs> but it lived up to the hype because as my brother, Steve Smith and the Naked, for, on the long list of jobs I had, I was a roadie for my brother's band one nice. summer. And every place we played in 1978, at any quiet moment in the night, my brother was playing like Blues Brothers music, like Wilson Pickett, Otis Redding, nice. funky Tower of Power, as you know, JC. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, every break in the action, someone would yell, Freebird! Of course. Yeah. And it was the most incongruous thing. Like that band totally. was never going to play Freebird. <laughs> yeah, and all I could say was like, what the fuck is this Freebird by Leonard Skinner? And I finally heard it. I'd heard more about Freebird than I'd ever heard. And then I heard it, and I'm like, what's this soapy ballad? If I leave you this morning. I'm like, this is bullshit. This is what they're yelling for? And then I realized like, there is a slow ramp up yes. to a fucking guitar Armageddon that comes. And it is, I admittedly, it's not something I like, but I got to say, once I heard that, I go, oh, this is what they're yelling for. Yep. Sadly, no yep. one in New England could play those guitars. No one could play that, even if they wanted to. <laughs> yeah. But that one did live up to its hype. Okay. Nice. I'm going to touch Alex Hart with this next one because oh. very simple. It's Hey Jude by the Beatles. Very and good I was a little boy. I was very privileged to grow up in a house where I heard all that shit. And there was a lot of talk that they were breaking up. There was a lot of talk. They certainly were never going to play live ever again. Are the Beatles, is Paul dead? Did Paul die in a car crash? Blah, 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 blah. And, and out of all this wonderment, like, what's going to happen? Who's going to... Hey Jude mm -hmm. and people and 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 on Ed Sullivan where they played live when I was a little little boy they were going to be on Ed Sullivan but unlike the other performances it was a film and you can probably find it anywhere it's them sitting in a studio surrounded by I don't know friends and family a yeah, very yeah. very subdued quiet thing and there's a great story about Hey Jude I read this book about the Rolling Stones who were always the ugly cousin they could never yeah overtake that they're always chasing them and never overcoming them they had this big record release in london it was the biggest event i don't know if it was exile on main street or some big record thing and the whole party stops 
like when Seth shows up somewhere, right. John and Paul come in with the acetate from Hey Jude, walk up to the, the PA, put it on, and the place leaves talking about Hey Jude. No <laughs> one gives a fuck about the Rolling Stones anymore. Oh, there's John and Paul. And again, lived up to that, you know, out Fantastic. of nowhere, that thing. Okay. Ca- so, counterpoint. No- so yes. few people named Jude. <laughs> <laughs> Unrelatable, <laughs> narrow. Danny will, Danny will but, tell you. What well, that's it was actually for Julian. It was it was a song Paul wrote for Julian to Even tell and, and John. <laughs> well, he what? changed it to Jude because he didn't want to call it "Hey Jules," and he didn't yeah. want it to be so on the nose. But he was saying like, "Your mom's not with your dad anymore. Yoko's in the picture. Let her into your heart. That's when you start to make it better." It was a beautiful yeah. love song for the boy, for the little boy. Yes. So, yeah, uh, song song. for a now, boy. Count me now. <laughs> Fast forward. Sorry, sorry, Goldie. <laughs> Uh, Goldie, once you got them in your hands, don't be afraid to give them a little squeeze, right? <laughs> that hard right. little squeeze. That's a, that's a Tommy. Okay, so 1983. Billie Jean by Michael Jackson. Oh, yeah. Now, oh, now yes. it's a shame what happened. It's a shame how it all turned out. But I was working in the foundry, and there was a television special, the 25th anniversary of Motown. That's how old I am. Motown's I like 150 years old. I had it on VHS. So the Jackson it. 5, rumored yeah. to get back together, blah, 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 da, da, da. And they got together, and Michael sang with his brothers. And it's like, oh. And I had the first Jackson 5 album when I was 10 years old. I was the same age as Michael. I thought he was a fucking genius. I couldn't believe And I loved how his older brothers like accepted, like acknowledged him. They didn't, they were, oh, he's the little kid, you know, which is what yeah. I got growing. I, I admired him. And he came out that night, and he did that number, and he did that moonwalk, which no one had uh, ever seen. Nope. And that, I don't know that it was hyped, but it was hyped after that, but it lived up to it. It was like, that was just a staggeringly yes. good thing, that whole thing. A great choice. Yes. Yeah, shame, shame how it happened. Now, deeply <laughs> personal for me, my number one song that lives up to it, much anticipated. Bruce Springsteen had only had two albums out, and that was my biggest thing in the world when I was in high school. I love Bruce Springsteen. We all waited for this new album entitled Born to Run. Yes. And this fucking song. Now, his, his first two records, one was like a folky Bob Dylan-y thing. Second one had a great jazz influence. He had this David Sanctious keyboard guy. This album comes out. He did this Phil Spector wall of sound thunder thing, thunder road, like this Born to Run. It came barreling out of the speakers, and I was like... I, it, I just thought I couldn't be more thrilled with Bruce Springsteen. And it hit me so hard growing up in the Northeast, even though I don't feel that I came from a town full of losers. When I got in that Chevy Chevette <laughs> to go to California, man, you know I popped that cassette at this point in and said, it's a town full of losers, and I'm pulling out of here to win, baby. Oh, awesome. And that's, that, so that's Born great. to Run. Yeah, I got goosebumps that's just thinking yeah. about it. That's great. <laughs> yes. Unbelievable. I can go. Yeah, cool. go ahead, Goldie. Number five, Blurred Lines. Oh, that's a good <laughs> yeah. song. I defy yeah. you to not dance. Yeah. Number <laughs> four, yep. Greatest Love of All. Oh. Yeah. 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 Happening. Beautiful. Number three, Beethoven's Ninth. Oh, oh yes. Oh. Yeah, we may have overlap. <laughs> Number two, God Only Knows. Oh, oh that's wow. a great one. And number one, Not Your Way. My uh, way. We, Goldie, we have major overlap. Wow. Guys, Alec, go ahead, because I, I, right. it's my week, so I'll go okay. last. 
So, Goldie, I knew this wasn't going to be overlap, but at number five, I have Hotel California. Oh, underlap. Fucking <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> underlap. <laughs> um, again, as Danny spoke to, building to an unbelievable guitar finish. Yeah. Number four, yeah. Don't You Forget About Me. Ooh, simple uh, I feel minds. like people say, like, oh, this is the song of the 80s. This is the song. Of the-. It is. Yeah. It, every, I, I yes. never turn that it's song not live. Off. It's amazing. Number so three, cool. same spot. Beethoven's Ninth. Wow. We were both wow, thinking guys. outside. You That's can't, crazy. Once, when Beethoven's Ninth gets going, you can't stop it. Yeah. That <laughs> was the original way to one. Number two. Number two, My Way. Jeez. My Way. Guys. Just, it, everybody says like it's his, it, you know, a fantastic late career song. for. It's a, it's Look, a towering home run. the closer you get to death, the better that song yes. seems. Oh, it's, it's, like, it's like Nolan Ryan's seventh yeah. no-hitter, that song. It's, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and number one for me, God, this is a good song. As much as it's overplayed and it, I kind of have kind of had every opportunity to dislike it, I love it every time. National Start, Anthem. <laughs> Start Me Up. Oh, Stone. horrible choice. Love that song. That's number one. Oh, my God. Just, he just flew over the handlebars. <laughs> just, that, that guitar lick opening, it never stops. It never stops. Never stops. No, never, no. never, never, never stops. <laughs> okay. All right, JC, take us home. Mine take are us home. so different. Um, I did originally have overlap, but I had removed them. So here, my oh. number five is by Muse, the song Hysteria. Um, don't know it. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. Baseline's what amazing. Hype. Guitar. Oh, it was huge <laughs> in 2004. So. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, yes. Um, number four by Nine Inch Nails, Closer. That's a good song. Um, saw that it live song. last month. It is so incredible live. Okay. Wow, number you're Dak. Th- I'm so Dak. Yeah, you'll actually... Very true. Uh, you number had re- three. You had, resner- you had reservations for that concert? <laughs> Big time. <laughs> <laughs> number three, David Bowie's Under Pressure. Oh, yes. oh Seth yes. doesn't know it. But no, he doesn't know it. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't yes, know it. I know, true. Impossible to sing. I actually like, sang so it at Bonnaroo with the Super Jam with Stu. Wow. Uh, yes, wow. it was with a bunch so of cool. people, but it was pretty fun. Yeah. Um, number two, by Childish Gambino, This Is America. Oh yeah. This song yeah. I, I was Great at, video. I was working on SNL when he performed this and it is the like it was this for me. Yeah, I got goosebumps just thinking <laughs> like it yeah. was so incredible blew my me mind. Too. Yeah. <laughs> and number 1 for me Nirvana smells like teen spirit. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a really good choice. Yeah. Really good yeah. choice. All right, so who has next week? I think I do, right? Okay. JC. So, here's what I'm going with top 5 NBA players of all time. Oh, Good. I love it, JC. Okay. Start of the season? Start yes, of the season. Exactly. Yes. Uh, first game of the season? First, first game of the season. season. First game uh, of the season. All right. And speaking of sports, yeah. So this is the segment that everyone hates. Just to update uh, everyone uh, on this, we're, we're battling whoever wins this overall season competition between me and Goldie the, does not have to write Johnny jokes that week, and the other one has to write double the amount. So there's a lot at stake. There's $19.83 worth at stake here. Um, and, and to update you on our standings, I am currently 3-1, and one, and Goldie is currently one game back at 2-2. Two and two. So, Goldie, who do you have this week? God help me. I am taking the Jets, and they're three oh. points against the Denver Broncos, hmm. meaning the Jets, they have to lose by three or less. Okay. 
All right. So the Broncos are audacious. favored to win by three, is what you're saying. That's right. Yes, which uh, I, I can't believe the Broncos are favored, actually. It's so that in might Denver, be a great, but great pick. Yeah. All right. So my pick is I am picking the Ravens, who are favored by six and a half over the Cleveland Browns, wow. who I just watched the Patriots uh, destroy them. So maybe it's recency bias, but I, I need the Ravens to win by a touchdown. All right, we got that out of the way. And now let's end this show as we do every week on a high note. Thank you, Tom and Max. (laughs) Always a little longer than we think. And I'll, I'll go quickly. And I know this is, I've been dragging this out for three weeks, but I'm still back on Cape Cod. We actually had Levy's birthday. And uh, Tall, Levy, and I spent an unbelievable weekend in Boston this weekend. The weather was perfect. Tall had so many things planned out for us to do. We did all of them. Levy loved all of them. It was just a fantastic weekend. So that's my high note. for you. Um, Yeah, thanks. (laughs) That sounded sarcastic. Yep. (laughs) My high note is I'm getting away and I'm going to go to an adult night out. And that's the high note because inevitably I won't like it as much as I'm anticipating it. So I'm saying, without having done it, that's the high. William Nelson. Yes, I'm going to do one quick... I'm going to have two high notes, but one of them is super quick. First of all, Caitlin, Danny Smith's wife. Danny, your wife. She's one of the high notes. She's amazing, incredible, very talented musician as well. Absolutely. Um, But she really helped set this up and took invested the time and uh, just tell her she's amazing. Thank you, Caitlin. Thanks. Um, yes. And obviously, Danny, you're amazing. Um, oh, no, no, that's fine. That's fine. And, that's fine. Uh, it's my Stu high note, too. Yeah. Is, uh, obviously, is a Stu high note. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> he'll be playing uh, with Dan. I guess this might be a little early, but Danny Elfman, Hollywood Bowl. Oh, two cool. nights. Wow. Boom, boom. Cool. Yes. Oh, nice. Amazing. I tried to get tickets for some friends, but didn't work out. Uh, so. I oh, is that that's me and Goldie? Well, yeah, because I also want to try to get it for Goldie and Steph, but I, it didn't work out, and I'm super bummed Not about it. So, oh, yeah. for yeah. gosh darn darn! Yeah, mm-hmm. but they might be back. They might be playing again, so I'm going to try. Um, well, what an excellent show! Unbelievable, fantastic show, Danny. You were amazing. Uh, oh, just just okay. as as advertised in my brain, <laughs> okay. you, you lived up to the hype. You yes. were one through five, living yes. up to the hype. So I want to thank Danny Smith for being here. I want to thank you two, Goldie and JC, for always being awesome. Thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you again next week. No, no, we can't do this. That was fun. And it stops right now. You may have to start a go fuck yourself.